Well, hello, City First fam. We are so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. You are in the right place, and we are so glad that you are here. And I hope that you had a meaningful and significant Christmas, and I'm praying that you have a new year full of purpose and God's presence. And today, like you just heard, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Future Starts Now, where we're going to be talking about becoming the person you want to be, or really who God wants you to be in 2024, and living in a way today that your future self will thank you for. And I realize that every January, there is so much talk in our culture about setting new goals, creating new habits, and living this next year to the fullest. And it usually revolves around the idea of people making New Year's resolutions. Anybody make any New Year's resolutions, okay? They can be good, but the problem with New Year's resolutions is research shows that only 9% of Americans who make resolutions actually complete them. In fact, research goes on to show that 23% of people quit their resolution by the end of the first week of January, which is like right now. So some of you are like, yeah, I'm an overachiever in this area. The rest of everybody, 43% quits by the end of January, and then it just keeps fading out as the year goes on. And in light of this, I heard one person say that my New Year's resolution is to not make a New Year's resolution. They were like, if I just keep the standard low, then I won't disappoint myself, okay? Which is funny, but not really beneficial if we want to grow in 2024. And so as we're here today gathered in church, can I propose that instead of placing all of our hope in a new year, that we place our hope in God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He's a God who's doing new things all the time, and he wants to do something new in you. And in this new year, maybe we have a little bit less resolutions, but we have more of God and his solutions for our lives. What if in 2024 we said, God, we submit this year to you? We want to make more room for you in our everyday lives. We want to make more room for you. We're committed to following you and your ways above following ourselves and our ways. What could God do if we gave him permission? And as we kick off this new series, and as we kick off the first Sunday in church together, I want to take a moment and just open us up in prayer. So I want to invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for this day, the breath in our lungs, the first Sunday of 2024 where we get to be gathered together. And God, I pray that in this next little bit of time that we have, that you would help me to get out of the way so that you can say what you want to say and that you would minister to every heart, God. We are open to you today. And in your name, amen. Amen. Well, I believe that in this new year, all of us want to level up in this new year. And the message today is going to be called New Year, New Level, because I believe that God has more for us in 2024, but we aren't going to grow simply by behavior modification or by just focusing on what we do. We must also focus on who we are 
and who God desires for us to become. See, all of us desire to be people and also to be around people that are life-giving. Can everybody say life-giving? We want to be people who are life-giving. What if you were around a bunch of people in your workplace, in your family, in your school that were life-giving? What does life-giving mean? What does it mean? It means that when people are around you, you are a breath of fresh air. That when you're around people, it doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you still have joy. And joy doesn't have to be loud. It can be a quiet joy. You're somebody who's not negative, but you're positive. When you're life-giving, nobody has to guess what version of you they're going to get that day. They're not wondering, am I going to get that? Is she mad? Is she sad? Is she going to cuss me out? Is she going to pray for me? I don't know, right? Because life-giving people... There's a consistency about them. In fact, Jesus was life-giving. Sometimes Jesus gets a bad rap because somebody painted his photo where he's pale and he's sad looking. He kind of looks a little malnourished and he's like holding the lamb, petting him. That is not who our Jesus is. He was life-giving. Kids flocked to him. People loved him. In many passages, we see him sitting around a table feasting and fellowshipping with people that he loved. Jesus, we read about in the New Testament, was kind, but he was clear. He was loving, but he told the truth. He was compassionate, yet he called people to a higher standard of living. And how did Jesus describe himself? In the New Testament, we read that he called himself the living water life-giving, living water. We know that water is essential for life. That's why all the women have the big Stanley cups, right? It's like, we gotta be hydrated. Water is essential. And do you know that when your water intake is down, your headaches go up? One of the greatest causes for fatigue is dehydration. When you're hydrated, You have more energy. Water is refreshing in every sense of the way, not just practically, but also spiritually. You know, when there's fresh water spring, free-flowing water, its freshness and motion resembles life. The opposite of that, the contrast of that is stagnant water. Have you ever been around stagnant water? It's muddy. It's sediment-filled. Nobody wants to be around that water. No, we want the fresh water. And do you know that life-giving people, which we all want to be, life-giving people can be likened to a fountain. And in the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot about fountains in a very positive way. And I want to read a few verses for you. Proverbs 16.22 says, Understanding is a fountain of life to one who has it. I think we all want more understanding from God in 2024 about whatever it is that we're facing. The next one says, Proverbs 13, 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. We all want to be teachable and we want more of God's wisdom in 2024. It also says in Proverbs 10, 11, the mouth of the righteous, the right living, is a fountain of life. And I want you to think about famous fountains that are actually world-renowned. There's the Trevi Fountain in Rome, which is breathtaking, beautiful. People travel from around the world just to go and see this fountain. Then we've got one that's not too far from us, but the Buckingham Fountain in Chicago. Beautiful. 
iconic. Again, people travel just to see this fountain. There's a Fountain des Mers in Paris, which again is beautiful, and people will come from all over simply to see this fountain because fountains are magnetic, bubbling over, bringing forth fresh water, teeming with life, attractional. People will travel from around the world to see these fountains. And just as earlier, we compared fresh water to stagnant water. What if we compared a fountain that brings forth life, that represents life-giving people to the opposite? The opposite of a fountain would be a drain. Okay, nobody's traveling around the world to see a drain. Why is nobody traveling around the world to see a drain? Because literally, it sucks. That's what a drain does. Some of you are like, I'm emailing Pastor Jeremy right now. But that's the actual function of a drain is it sucks the water from around it into it, right? And we all know, as I'm saying that, you're thinking of people, maybe things, but probably some people that are more drain than fountain, right? You're thinking about the things that maybe drain you, but also some people. Don't look at anybody, okay? But you're like, they're always complaining. They're never happy about anything. You avoid the standard greeting of like, hey, how are ya? Because they're going to take it as an opportunity to list out their complaints to you, right? They're kind of Eeyore, and you're hoping for a little bit more Tigger. But we are called to be people who are life-giving followers of Christ, people who use the influence that God has given all of us to breathe life wherever we go. And as we head into this new year, it might even be good to look back on last year and go, what are the life-giving things? Who are the life-giving people? What were the drains that just sucked the energy out of me? I thought watching Netflix would be life-giving, but it was a drain. What are those things? Take notice of them. But we're called to be fountains, life-giving people wherever we go to bring fresh life and joy and peace into our families and to our kids and our schools and our places of employment to bring so much joy that people start to take notice and say there's something different about that person. Maybe they're one of those Jesus people. Wherever we go, opposed to a person that sucks the life out of everything and of everyone. And so today I want to focus on two attributes that will help us to be life-giving people in this new year so that we can level up and become more of who God desires for us to be. So the first thing that life-giving people do is they think and speak life. Think and speak life. Do you know that you are the only one responsible for your thoughts? You are the only one responsible for your thoughts. Why? Because you are the only one who knows all of your thoughts. As humans, we process 125 to 250 words per minute as they're being communicated to us. But when we think, we process and we form thoughts at 1,000 to 3,000 words per minute. Experts estimate that the mind thinks between 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. That's an average of 2,500 to 3,000 thoughts every hour. That's a lot of thoughts flowing through our mind all of the time. 
And I believe that's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we're to take thought, take our thoughts captive to make it obedient to Christ. And the only way that we can really do that is if we apply this principle. I want you to remember this. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. But I want to encourage you to begin to think about what you are thinking about. So often, we have so many thoughts running through our minds, it's like a free-for-all, but the Bible tells us to take captive our thoughts and to make it obedient to Christ because not everything that comes into your mind should be allowed to stay there. Not everything that you're thinking is from God. Not every thought is a fact, and we have to be mindful about what we are thinking about. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh within himself, so is he. Our thoughts have more impact on our lives than we often give him credit for. I've heard it say before, where the mind goes, the man follows. And we know that's true because like once your mind is set on something, watch out, right? If you're like, I really want that cupcake, you're probably going to go and get it. If I'm at our house and I've got the measuring tape out, measuring something on the wall. My husband is like, oh no, she's thinking about whatever. And now if she's already thinking about it, it's probably gonna happen because we follow where our mind is at. And so we have to think of it like this. Our thoughts form our beliefs. Our beliefs form our actions and our actions form our results. And yet with New Year's resolution, what we wanna do is jump to the results. I'm just going to willpower my way to be this way or to do this thing. But the way that we're wired up is we have to go back to the beginning that we're going to take inventory of our thoughts because the, the implications of our thoughts turn into beliefs, actions, and then results. So we must pay attention to what we're thinking about. You know, Adam and I have two sons, Nash and Ryder, and Nash is eight years old, and he's just sweet, sweet kid, not all the time, but you know, I'm his mom, so. But sometimes at night when I'm tucking him in, I'll sing him a song, which he always requests a song, and in full disclosure, I am 100% tone deaf. Like the only people who think that I can sing are my children and God. Everyone else is like, this is not a sweet sound. But every night I sing to my kids, and then we'll say a prayer, tuck him in, you know, and then we'll go out of the room and Sometimes Nash will come out of his room and he'll be like, hey, mom, what's up, Nash? Sometimes he just wants a snack because he's a kid and wants a prolonged bedtime. But every now and then he'll say, mom, I'm having bad, he'll say, I'm scared, I'm scared. So I'll go in his room and I'll say, why are you scared, Nash? And I'll say, I'm scared because I'm having bad thoughts. And I'll say, okay, well, tell me about what your bad thoughts are. And this sweet kid somewhere along the way in his life saw a picture of Bigfoot that freaked him out. And this Bigfoot photo keeps coming back when he's trying to fall asleep at night, which is another reminder to all of us that what we, what we view, what we look at, it's not just a one-time thing. It sticks in here. So we want to be mindful of our input because it affects so much more than just in the moment. But you can give that a round of applause. We want to be mindful. Our input matters. And so Nash, I'll say, okay, Nash, well, here's the thing about if you're having a bad thought is that there's actually a little trick. It's difficult to think about two things at one time. So if you don't want to think about that image, then let's think about something else, something that's good. 
And Nash is just so sweet. And he was like, oh, I get it, Mom. It's like if I'm watching TV and I have the remote and I'm watching one thing and I want to watch that anymore, then I have the remote and the control to change what I'm watching to watch something else. He's like, that's what I have to do in my mind, change the channel to not be focused on something that's scary, but on something that's good. I was like, you got it, Nash. And because I'm not just a mom, but I'm a pastor, let's open up your Bible to Philippians 4.8. He's like, mom, I'm like, get it out, get it out. So we open up his Bible and we read this verse, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'll say, Nash, what's lovely? What's excellent? What's good? What's pure? We're going to think about these things. And I love this passage because it says, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, You know, 2023 might have been a terrible year for you. Maybe 2024 hasn't started off so well for you either. But do you see that it doesn't say if everything is excellent, if everything is praiseworthy, then it says, no, if anything, if there's one thing, if it's the fact that you have breath in your lungs, think about the good things that God has done for you. And in another translation, instead of it saying think about such things, it says this, dwell on these things. Dwell on what's good. Dwell on what's praiseworthy. Dwell on what's excellent. The word dwell in this context means to live in or at a specified place. You're setting up camp. You're living in a certain place. And I want to ask you today, what mental place are you living in in 2024? Is it one that's full of faith, full of God confidence, full of it's God honoring your big picture thinking? Or are you living in a mental place of negativity, of worry, of comparing, which will lead to jealousy? Are you living in fear or complaining? This is just too hard. Things will never get better. I can't do this. It'll always be this way. A good indicator of where your mind is is to listen to what your mouth says. If you want to know where your mind and your heart are at, listen to what your mouth says. If you hang out with me, you're going to hear me talking about my kids all the time because they're on my mind and they're in my heart. And so I'm talking about them because Luke 6.45 says, out of the overflow of the heart or out of the overflow of the mind, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks. And what happens is what we're speaking begins to create Culture, vocabulary creates culture. And a lot of times we will accredit culture to an organization or a company or maybe even a church, but we have to know that there is also a cultural standard for your life. And there's an internal culture and an external culture about your life. And it's imperative that we pay attention to our thoughts and that we pay attention to our words and we pay attention to our internal culture because the culture of your life does not just affect you, it actually affects those around you. I want you to remember this. Maybe you want to write this down or take a screenshot, but here is a truth that we know to be true. It says you will reduce the environment around you to match the environment within you. 
If you're like, that person will never be happy, you will reduce the environment around you to match the environment within you. If you are unhappy with yourself, you will be unhappy with those around you. If you are mad at you, you will be mad at those around you. If you cannot forgive yourself, it'll be very difficult for you to forgive somebody else. If you think little of yourself, you will think little of those who are around you. If you are discontent internally, you will be discontent externally. So we have to do the hard work of paying attention to what we're thinking, to what we're speaking, to what we're dwelling on, because it's shaping what our life looks like. You know, I remember a few years back, it was actually a while ago, I felt like I was in a rut, where I kind of felt like I was always busy, I was always in a hurry, and I remember I started to observe people who were living full lives, but seemed very happy and very joyful and very peaceful. And I started to observe their vocabulary, and I noticed that their their vocabulary looked a little bit different than mine did. When someone would ask them something, hey, could you help me out with this? They'd be like, yeah, it's no problem. Because at the end of the day, it's really not a problem. If they were like, there's this big thing that needs to get done, yeah, if we all pitch in, we'll get it done in no time. Positive. If someone was like, hey, I was wondering if you could, yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for thinking of me. That won't take long at all. And so the words that they were saying were building a culture of positivity. And I started to adopt what they were saying and notice a change in my own life, not because I was just being positive, not because I was trying to manifest happiness, but what was happening is I was starting to get my mouth in alignment with God's word and with what his will is. And so when I felt like, no, this could be hard instead of me speaking that, instead I was like, you know what? Nothing is impossible for God. Man, I don't feel like I have a lot to give right now. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. His mercies are new for me every single morning. As far as the east is from the west, so has he forgiven my sins. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you are with me. And a lot of us want to change for the better in 2024. It's why we're here today. But we can't just will ourselves to change, wish for change. We have to change the way that we think in accordance with the word of God. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, to this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. Why? So that you may prove for yourselves What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? When we have our minds fixed on God, we're going to begin to see change in our lives. And one of the things that we need more of in 2024 is Holy Spirit discernment. And this verse is saying that as your mind is renewed, you will be able to discern, to prove, to test what is good and what is of God for you and for those that you love. I'm seeing that all too often we are delegating discernment about our lives, about our children's lives, about our marriages, about what we watch, about what we eat, about our faith, to what culture and trends are saying. And it is time for us as Christ followers to take our minds back, engage Holy Spirit discernment, and be able to follow Jesus how he desires for us to follow him. 
We get to be the ones who discern this according to God's perfect will, but we have to have minds that are renewed. Why would the enemy not want your mind to be renewed? He does not want you to discern what is best for you. He does not want you to discern what is best for your child or your family. But God's way is the best way, and he's saying, here's the path forward. And it's why every year at City First, the beginning of January, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. So it starts today, and it goes through the 27th, and I want to invite everybody to be a part of this. You know, this is something that's not for the spiritually elite. Whether you cannot imagine praying a day in your life or you can't imagine not praying a day in your life, this is for you. It's for anybody who wants more of God in 2024. And we're going to do everything we can to make it as easy for you as possible. We've got resources. We've got a prayer guide you can pick up in person or online. We've got bracelets to remind you of it on Saturdays. We've got some prayer and worship services, 45 minutes. You're like, I don't know how to pray. It doesn't matter. Just come. Well, I got kids. Bring them with you. Just get here. You're going to love it. It's going to encourage you. And along with prayer, we encourage everybody to fast something during these 21 days. And you're like, what is fasting? It's getting rid of something that gets your flesh's attention. Okay, why do we fast? To declutter your soul, clear your mind, and hear God's truth about your life. You know, physically, after Christmas, a lot of people were decluttering their homes, cleaning things up. This is a spiritual way to declutter our mind and our soul and really focus in on God and what he wants to reveal in 2024. What do we fast? You're like, can I fast my spouse? Can I fast my kids? Okay, no. But maybe you're like going to fast a type of food or you're going to fast Netflix or social media or an activity. And when you fast something, I want to encourage you, don't just omit it, but replace it with extra emphasis on God. And this is what C.S. Lewis says about this topic. He says, we have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. So this is an extra emphasis that if you've maybe been following Christ for a little while and you need your faith to come alive again, jump in. Maybe you're brand new and you just need your faith to take life, jump in. It's going to be amazing. And we know that faith is essential for our spiritual growth in 2024. And so in closing, the second attribute of a life-giving leader or a life-giving person is that they are full of faith. They are full of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not yet see. Too often we live according to what we see instead of living according to what we can't see yet through the lens of faith. And if we just live according to what we can see instead of living according to faith, then in 2024, we're going to be pretty discouraged. And maybe you're thinking, but how can I live with eyes of faith, Lisa, when I'm experiencing loss, when my marriage is falling apart, when my kid's walking away from the Lord, when my finances are a mess? Well, we walk by faith and not by sight because everything in life is good, but because God is good. I want you to think back to 2023. You made it through 100% of your worst hardest, darkest days. And that wasn't just because you're good, that's because God's good and his strength sustains you and he loves you. We can have faith because God is faithful. 
And we have to remember that faith is a verb and it's actually an action verb. It means we are actively trusting God no matter the circumstance, no matter what. And you know, I want you, when we think about faith, to have this image is that if we were outside and we know that the weather is always changing, sometimes it's snowing, sometimes it's cold, every now and then it's warm. Sometimes when we're outside and if it begins to rain, and the team's gonna put some rain on the screen to make you really remember this. They're fancy, okay? But if you're outside and it's raining, the rain that's coming down is out of your control. You cannot control the weather. But what you can do is reach out for a resource or a tool that is available to you like an umbrella. And you can choose to activate the umbrella and lift it up over your head. So even though you don't have the control to stop the rain, you are shielded and you are protected from the rain falling down on you. And in the same way, when we have faith, we have to know that faith is something that can protect us from what's happening around us. Yes, there may be circumstances that are out of your control, but Paul in Ephesians talks about how we as Christ followers are not without defense against the attacks of the enemy. He says that God has given us armor, spiritual armor, and he talks about that, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. And he also talks about one piece, one weapon that he calls the shield of faith, the shield of faith. And it says in Ephesians 6, 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He's saying that each and every person who is a Christ follower has access to the defense mechanism of the shield of faith, but notice the action is involved. We have to take up the shield of faith. The same way if it's raining, this will not automatically come over my head. I have to take up the umbrella to shield myself from what's happening around me. Paul is saying, take up the shield of faith to extinguish the arrows of the enemy. And Paul had the context of Roman soldiers when he wrote this. They were the most advanced of the time and they had the most advanced armor and their shields were not tiny plastic shields. Their shields were two feet tall, two feet wide by four feet tall. It was almost like a door and he was saying and wanted to have this image of taking up a shield that's so big, it could cover our entire bodies. He's saying it might not stop everything that's going on in the world. It might not stop all the things that are coming at you, but it sure will shield you and it sure will protect you when you choose to pick up the shield of faith. And do you know when the soldiers needed to pick up the shield of faith? It was when they were on the offense, when they were taking new ground, when they were approaching what was against them, they would pick up the shield of faith. And for so many people in this place, I believe that 2024 is meant to be a year for you to take new ground, to advance forward. And you don't have to advance forward in fear. You don't have to advance forward unsupported. You don't have to advance forward defenseless. You can advance forward by taking up your shield of faith. What does that look like? You're saying, oh, but I've been stuck in isolation. I don't have any friends, but I'm too scared 
to get into a life group. Well, when you walk towards that life group, you're not doing it by yourself. You're picking up that shield of faith, believing that God is gonna bless you as you're doing what He asks you to do. Some of you in 2024, God's been saying it's time to get your priorities right. Be in church every week. Begin to become a generosity rock star. But that scares me, and how can I do that? You can advance forward to what God is asking you when you pick up that shield of faith. It protects you from fear. It protects you from the things that the enemy would throw at you. The enemy wants you to feel stuck and like you can't move forward, but God is saying 2024 is your year. Pick up your shield of faith. Believe for healing for your marriage. Pick up your shield of faith. Believe for freedom for your children. Pick up your shield of faith. It's the time to break that addiction. Pick up that shield of faith because God has more for you, but we have to put the action into place. And so I wanna ask you as we're wrapping up this time, I want you to think about these two things as you go home today and as you're talking in your life groups, what is the area where I need to pick up the shield of faith? I need to advance forward, but knowing I don't do it in fear, but I do it with faith. And what is an area where you need to think and speak life this year? You know, some of you, as I'm talking about thinking and speaking life and what you're dwelling on, you are dwelling on words that people have spoken over you. Maybe something that your ex said to you as you're going through a divorce or something said to you as a child that you've been dwelling on for 40 years. And I wanna remind you that the words of men are nothing compared to the authority of God's word. You are who he said that you are. You are healed, you are free, you are forgiven, you are made new. And it's time to start believing that. And so I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you and then we're gonna sing a song. So if you wanna go ahead and stand to your feet. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this new year of 2024 and that you are the same God. Father, I thank you that you hold all authority. God, that what you say matters and what any other person has said. I pray that this year will be a year of blessing, that it will be a year of breakthrough, that it will be a year of advancement, that it will be a year of speaking life, where we be life-giving Christ followers, and that you would get all the glory because you hold all the authority. We thank you, Jesus.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you reign above it all. God, that you reign over 2024. We commit and we submit this year to you. We ask that you would have your way. We are willing. We want more of you, God. We want to be obedient to do what you're asking us to do. We don't want to stay stuck. Help us to advance into new territory, new depths of health in our marriages, new freedom of mind, freedom from our past. God, we thank you that you hold all authority and we trust you. Pray these next 21 days would be significant personally as we grow spiritually and we prioritize you like we never have before. And maybe you're with us today and you've never made the decision to make Jesus a leader and forgiver of your life. And we're talking about faith and life giving and all of that comes from having a relationship with him. I wanna give you an opportunity to make that decision today. You're not joining a church. This isn't about religion. This is about relationship. You were created to be in relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you and you say, I wanna make the decision to follow Jesus, have my sins forgiven forever, heaven as my home, would you go ahead? No one looking around, but just me and slip up your hand. Amazing, I'm seeing hands go up all around this room. Best way to start the brand new year. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And if everybody would repeat this prayer after me, all of us saying together so no one feels like they're saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for me, forgives my sins, and gives me a brand new start. Today I choose to follow him. And in your name, amen. Church, can we give all of the individuals who prayed that prayer, a huge round of applause. Best decision you'll ever make. We're so excited for you and the journey that God has for you.